You are listening to What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Welcome back to yet another episode of What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Today we will be reviewing Dead End from 2003 and Blood Creek from 2009. So we will start with Dead End from 2003. On his way to a Christmas dinner at his mother-in-law's house, a man named Frank is driving on an unknown road with his family he ends up falling asleep and almost crashes into another car going the opposite direction. Nobody is hurt, and the other car seems to just disappear. Back on the road, Frank sees a woman in white with a baby in the surrounding woods. He drives back and finds no one there. However, while he is looking, the woman in white appears to his window. He asks her if she is fine, as if it appears that she is in shock and is wounded. On her forehead. He asks his daughter's boyfriend Brad to check if he can use his cell phone to call 911, but there is no signal. Frank invites the woman to have a ride in their car because on the way he spotted a cabin not far away. His daughter Marion decides to give her seat to the woman and walk to the cabin as she is suffering from travel sickness. The rest of the family in their car, try to talk to the woman, but she does not seem to want to respond, and they still assume she's in shock. Frank then stops at the roadside cabin. There's his son, Richard, leaves to go masturbate in the woods, and Frank and Laura enter the cabin. Leaving Brad alone in the car with the woman, she starts to talk to him, then reveals that her baby is dead. Brad looks and sees that the baby is dead, and Brad screams and Frank and Laura rush back to the car, only to find that the woman and Brad have disappeared. While the rest of the family are looking for him, Marion, still on her walk, sees Brad in the back window of a black hearse, which slowly drives by. Marion runs to tell her, her parents that she's seen Brad getting kidnapped, and they go after the car. However, they are forced to stop again because they go over a bump in the road they find out that the bump is brad's dead body and marion faints upon seeing his gruesome state the others carry her into the car and drive again laura announces that her watch has stopped at 7 30 p.m and that is all the other clocks have say to like his like the frank character's watches stopped at 7 30 the clock on the car stopped. Richard seriously suggests that the possibility of alien activity, but his idea is dismissed. The family then see a black baby carriage in the road and they stop. Richard gets out to investigate and plays a joke on his parents, peering in the carriage and pretending that something is eating him. Frank and Laura start fighting and Richard tries talking to Marion, who is still in shock and does not respond. Richard realizes that the carriage is back on the road and tells his parents, who assume he is playing another joke. Frank moves the carriage once more and resumes driving. He and Laura begin another heated argument, and Marion suddenly announces she is pregnant. This is followed by Richard confessing that he's doing drugs. On their next stop, Richard heads into the forest to smoke and encounters the woman in white. They begin to kiss but the woman suddenly rips Richard's lower lip off. Richard then says he loves her, and then the woman 
slips off her dress, revealing herself nude, and Richard suddenly is taken back in horror by the sight. While fixing the car, the family sees Richard in the back of the same slow-moving vehicle as before, and they begin to run after it. Realizing this is pointless, they start to chase after the vehicle in their own car, but encounter yet another bump in the road. They stop and see it's Richard's burnt, dead body. Laura, who's the mother, is devastated and reels that Richard is not Frank's son, but was the result of an affair she had in the past. Nevertheless, they put the body in the backseat of the car, Frank stating that Richard was still his son. Back on the road, Laura begins to show signs of insanity, acting like a child, and even drawing a picture of Brad's dead body. Frank sees a sign for a destination called Marcotte. He believes this is a naval base and that they are on a military road, which does not appear on the map. In the car, Laura, in the car, while Laura is sleeping, Frank tells Marion about a story from his childhood. The family, a family in a car encountered a little girl with a school book on the side of the road. They picked her up while they were driving. They heard a scream in the backseat of the car. They saw that the little girl had disappeared. All that was left was her school books, and the book had her last name, Rose. Then they remembered that everyone in the Rose family had died in a car accident. Frank thinks this connects to the situation they're in, but Marion dismisses the story as folklore. When Laura awakes, she has to vomit, so they stop the car again. She sees a gun in the car, which was going to be a Christmas present for her gun-obsessed brother. In her childish, confused state, she believes that the gun is a toy and threatens her husband and daughter with it. Frank angers her by telling her that Richard is dead and she must accept reality, so she shoots him in the leg. However, Marion cleans the wound and they go on the road again with Marion now driving. Laura claims to see faces outside the window, but they all look sad. She sees a friend of hers who is dead and tells Frank to stop the car so she can go see her. Frank refuses, so Laura opens the car door and jumps out. Frank and Marion stop and see that Laura is taken by the hearse. Frank shoots at it, causing it to stop. Laura stumbles towards them. She says she is fine, but that her head hurts. Feeling it, she realizes that the back of her skull is split open. She then starts rubbing her brain and relives a night with Alan, the man she had an affair with, and telling her father she made the cheerleading squad before dying. Frank, who's clearly upset, closes her eyes and, and puts her in the back of the car. Marion and Frank think it is hopeless. Frank puts the gun to his chin, but Marion stops him, and they begin to drive on the road again. On their way to Marcotte, Frank explains to Marion that Alan was a friend of his back in Detroit. He tells her that Alan had come to him with advice about a married woman he was having an affair with, wanting to know whether or not to continue with it. Frank encourages him, reminding him he only lives once. The last time Frank saw Alan was when he told him that the married woman wanted to end the affair because she now had a little girl. Frank starts drinking a bottle of whiskey, another family Christmas present. His drinking angers Marion, who throws the bottle out the car window. Growing tired of driving, 
an endless highway, Frank says they must now try to escape through the woods as it is clearly the way only way. However, after passing through it, they f- they find they have gone full circle and are back at the car. They start driving again, and Frank makes a list of things he'd like to do when the ordeal is over, but doesn't show them to Marion. Eventually, they are forced to stop. Frank really realizes that the road loops, and they are back at the cabin from the beginning. Angered and convinced that someone is playing with them, he goes inside and lights a match. The woman in white is suddenly behind him and blows it out. Frank grabs one of the many tools off the walls and begins swinging around in the pitch black room. Marion hears the noise and rushes inside with a flashlight, taking her father out of the cabin. They walk towards the car and now Frank, like Laura, shows signs of going insane. He asks Marion for his bottle of whiskey, but she tells him she threw it away. He starts beating her until she is unconscious. And when Frank realizes what he has done, he puts Marion in the car too. He then sees the woman in white going into the forest and advances on her with the gun. He begins to shoot and scream in the forest, but the swishing of a bladed weapon is heard and it's obvious that Frank has now been killed. Marion, unconscious, has a bizarre dream in which the car finally runs out of gas, and she must accept that she, too, will now die. Outside, she sees the bodies of her family all lined up in body bags, and the hearse suddenly appears behind her. Marion assumes it has come for her, but the woman in white shows up and tells her it's not for her before getting into the hearse herself. Marion then wakes up in the car in time to see Frank falling asleep at the wheel and colliding with an oncoming car. The accident claims the lives of everyone in the vehicles except for Marion. She suddenly wakes up in the hospital bed and a female doctor with the name tag, Dr. Marcotte, is at her bedside. Later on, you see a charming man dressed in all black at the hospital who says he is the one that found Marion and called the accident in. Dr. Marcotte explains to him that all the people in the accident were killed except for this one girl. The man and the doctor go into the parking lot and off towards their separate cars, but when the doctor's car will not start, the man offers to give her a lift in his own vehicle, a black hearse. The doctor is impressed by the vintage car and the man tells her that he's a collector and yeah that's the end of the movie so before we talk about our thoughts apparently people really kind of liked it kind of didn't i mean rotten tomato they gave it a 75 with an audience score of 59 google gave it an 85 percent this movie had a budget about nine hundred thousand, and the box office score from DVD sales was about 77 million. So uh, when it comes to my thoughts, not much for gore in this movie other than the mother's head in the back because you can like see her brains and shit. The blood is there, but not much in this film. I I laughed my ass off whenever somebody go insane because it was so fucking funny. I didn't get any titties in this movie, but I got some ass in this movie. The whole story behind this movie, like it was good. 
a little confusing, especially towards the end when you realize that the whole ordeal she was going through was a dream, but ends up losing her family anyways. I really don't have much to really complain about this movie, so that's my thoughts. What are your thoughts, Tim? I thought it was an interesting movie. It wasn't what I expected. Um, I think we both had that feeling where it felt a little just different than what I expected. wasn't necessarily bad. Um, did start to figure it out a little ahead of time, but it was still surprised. And I thought they were all dead. I actually didn't think any of them lived through the accident by the time I figured out they were dead. So to me, it was kind of a surprise ending. I, and I at least thought when I, the dead baby, I didn't realize there was a baby in the other car. So I thought it was her baby that had died. So I had a, a couple of different weird thoughts going on that I like being surprised. I think we talked about this before. We both like it when the ending surprise, but yeah, it's not a cliffhanger. Although the guy driving the hearse thing away with the doctor kind of makes it a feel like almost a cliffhanger though. That's a little bit creepy. That said, it was a, yeah, it was a straight, pretty straightforward movie. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, I don't have much to really complain about it. I mean, I wish they didn't really drive through the whole movie, but I mean, this movie's called dead end for a reason. They're in a fucking car the whole time. Other than that, I got nothing really else to say about this movie. I mean, it wasn't bad so with that being said i gave this movie a four skull rating it's about where i was headed with it about a four skull rating because yeah it had room for improvement but it was decent and interesting the boy walking into the woods was one of my favorite moments when he was, <laughs> was intact that thing up on the tree i said no they're not doing this they're not doing this and they did it's like okay that made me that's that humor part i think you were talking about that you weren't expecting wasn't it because it caught me off guard. Yeah, that and how everybody, when everybody was going insane and stuff, it was pretty funny, especially when the mom was going insane. Like she was eating a whole fucking pie to herself and she got pie all over her face, her hands. And then found the bag of chips and started downing that too. It's like, yeah, it's like she had the fucking munchies or something. And her complete and blatant honesty. And then just, oh, we're going to play a game. I'm going to just aim the gun at everybody. Oh, by the way, you make me mad. I shoot you. It's like, huh? I thought she killed him. Yeah, I really did, too. I thought she, like, shot him in the stomach or something, and he was slowly dying. Those are my favorite parts of the movie, is you something happens, and you're totally expecting something else, and it was kind of... that. That's what did it the most for me for that movie. I like that, you know, shot, but then it shot him in the leg, you know? And then it was just the BBs. It was just bird shot, which we didn't know at first. As far as we know, he just got a slug through his chest. <laughs> yeah, I kind of found that kind of interesting. It was yeah. entertaining. Yeah, well... That's it for this movie, so we'll move on to Tim's pick for this episode, Blood Creek from 2009. Take it away. All right. Um, starts off like in the past, back in the 1930s. Talks about Germany and Hitler's look, Hitler looking out for trying to find supernatural means to win the war. He was convinced of this. Uh, this is actually well known, and he actually had sent people out to try and find things like this. In this case, it had to do with runestones. Uh, they were looking at. So in 1936, uh, a German professor, Richard With, is hosted by the Walners. Uh, they were skeptical about getting him, they, but at the same time, it was like $150, which at that time was a lot of money. And they took him in. They were a family of immigrants in West Virginia, and they believed him to be a scholar who just wanted to know about the uh, runestones, which is no big deal to them. But it, then it turned out to be a, he was a Nazi occultist seeking you know, the Viking runestones buried under property. And then when he reveals he wants to use it for evil, well, 
things go a little bit south and this will come back later but yeah that's when it kind of ends that part and it goes into the next part of the movie and it shows like this paramedic who's dealing with this really bad situation of well it's a meth lab um some guy's shot he's trying to stop the bleeding and guy's bleeding from his neck really profusely and then this woman's running around with a gun in the background the entire time just literally tripping out and while this happens they go it's a meth lab get down and then the, the trailer blows up so yeah interesting nonetheless then it comes him coming home his father is in a wheelchair but he's like his father's kind of a dick uh, there's no way better way to say it it's just the only way to explain it and he keeps on talking about his brother went into the military came back and he lost his brother in the woods and he should be all shamed the wrong brother is gone just all in all the guys just mean to him so he goes out to the back lays down in this camper out back that apparently is probably where he's staying and the second he lays down for his head for just a minute to rest he gets a phone call and these kids are saying you said you'd promise you'd take us out trick-or-treating so it goes to that he goes over and obviously doesn't get to sleep after 16 18 hour shift whatever it was and takes these kids trick-or-treating and we drops them off after going to the graveyard which apparently they never found the body but he did get a headstone made for his brother because it'd been two years since his brother disappeared in the woods so he gets back there and he take he drops them off at their mom's which turns out to be his sister-in-law's and she's mad because he took them there and giving them taking away all their hope there's no guarantee that their father's not coming home after two years they can understand where he was coming from so then it goes into flashbacks of what happened apparently they had went camping and his brother somehow got abducted or wandered off it sounded like someone was trying to take him so it this is a blair witch project if you've seen it you understand what i'm saying it's a lot of blurry camera angles fuzzy um film work and just it gives you that euphoria feeling of like you know you just don't know what's going on everything's just fuzzy it's a weird memory you couldn't really grasp anything and that's about all that ever shows and then after all this goes on he goes in the house he lays down like I said, I thought he was sleeping in the trailer at this time. And I said that on purpose. Turns out he is staying in the house. The trailer thing, the camper thing must have been just a place for him to get out of the house for a minute. So he's laying in bed and he gets woke up by his brother holding his mouth shut. His brother's got long hair and looks disgusting and very unkept. So while he's doing that, he's uh, his brother tells him not to yell. And it goes through the thing. He wants him to get the boat ready and the guns ready and meet him down. And they're going to go somewhere. And he said, he asked him, is he going to be okay with this? And of course he nods. Yes. Thinking he lost his brother and felt guilty for it for all these years. His brother goes and shaves and cleans up and takes a shower and it was nasty. And then you see his back is just flayed badly. Uh, you, obviously the uh, brother Evan is outside and the one that's inside is Victor. Evan is outside getting stuff ready. So he doesn't really see the, see his brother's back. So anyhow, they go and they get in the boat and they start going downstream. And he says, well, I, they come out and uh, land in the spot. And he goes, I searched 10 within 10 miles everywhere around here. He goes, well, you didn't find me kind of a little blunt, but it's true. So they hadn't head up to this farm. Okay. And he wants because uh, Victor wants vengeance for everything he went through at this point, Evan really hasn't asked many questions about what happened, which I'm going to say is a little strange. You'd think if your brother just shows up in the middle of the night and asks you to help him get revenge, you'd want a little info, right? Uh, just, just my thought. But all he does at this point is he explains his captors were there at this farm and that he wanted the vengeance. So he's going there and they go to the farm and confront the Walners. 
That's the same people that were in the beginning of the movie back in 1936. And they get there and this farm, the wall of the farm has these weird um, kind of almost like barn door paintings on them. Like they're just like this X with this weird little square on the side. Nothing much to the eye, just looks a little odd that's there. And then as they get closer to the farmhouse, you see all the windows and doors are painted the same way. They get in there and they, they see that uh, the father's leaving. And he says, the Victor says he's going to be gone for the day. Apparently he knows the routine. He's going to be gone for the day. We just need to find him. Now him, we have no idea who it is. So he gets inside and they uh, wind up having to shoot the one brother of the father who ran out, but they don't kill him. Um, just wound him a little bit and then has to shoot him again because he tries to track his brother inside, shoots him in the gut. But he's crawling across the ground, still perfectly alive. Go inside. They find the sister and the mother or grandmother. I'm really unsure of this. It never really explains. Is in there and she's, they basically keep them tied up in that area and go out. And the brother Victor goes out and shoots the one brother in the head because he's saying he explains on his way out that shooting him in the guts just gonna make him bleed out for a long period of time and it's not gonna help he's still gonna bleed out either way so just better off just finishing it off so the old man came home but when he comes home of course victor's outside with the gun and shoots him while he's driving the car he crashes into the house also breaking open the cellar door where this uh at this point, he's no longer really just a guy. He's the Nazi cultist. He's become a little bit more than that. But during this time, you also heard that the other the family's locked in time. They will not age as long as they're there because they've been touched by him, so to speak, or whatever. But the guy in the cellar who had brought back a bird to life too earlier, but they let him out of the cellar. He comes out and this guy is just badass. Uh, they all right, run and hide in the house. Well, while they're in the house... Uh, the other brother winds up getting this guy out of this steel container that he was in. He was also getting blood let on his back, you could tell, and lets him back into the house. This other guy, some random person that they saw someone searching for, like out in the woods, putting up um, missing persons on the way there in the boat. So while he's in there and they're all dealing with this, the other guy outside, the cultist, Nazi cultist, literally the horses come out of the barn. They're running all over and he's just ha- hacking them down left and right, literally just flailing them, cutting chunks off them and putting holes in them. And then he whispers to them and they come back to life, but they're under his control. Same goes for the dog that got killed. He brings them all back to life and these things become his minions. And he sends a horse and the dog in and they wind up getting, it turns out the only way they can kill them is like they destroy their brain, so to speak. And they, the horse gets pushed out and they wind up able to close the door again because apparently the cultists can't cross these markings that they put on the windows and doors as well as the fence. So he's trapped within the property unless he finishes his rituals, which the daughter had found most of his books. And they were able to decipher something about a third eye. He has to po- uh, destroy a hole in his head and then a third eye will come out of it. But it only can happen on a certain moon cycle that's about to happen that night of course perfectly timing so one of the horses rips out the one guy that they had saved out of the uh steel container and rips him out to the window but they paint a curtain and put up uh, like a sheet over the window to keep him out because otherwise he could travel th- the cultists could come through so they get talking and re- decide that they need to kill him but 
at this point if they want to survive. And the daughter says the brother got off easy because he got he got killed finally because they pretty much cursed to live forever with all this stuff going on. They didn't really all they were doing is trying to contain the cultist. And they talk about this bone armor like that he has it was his ancestors' bones, the markings on it and stuff that's in the barn that that the brothers had seen. You know, Evan and Victor had seen in there. And the fact that if they wore that, they should be immune to his supernatural powers. So Victor decides to go out and get it. And when he, while he goes out and gets it, he has, uh, Evan has to distract him, which he does throughout the front door, which comes really close to being really bad. But that's when the other guys comes out and they see him, but the other guy gets killed and then gets turned. Well, as he's out and he's trying to come back in, Evan winds up bringing this guy in because he's kind of still sort of himself. He's got a little bit of his, himself in him. And so he gets him inside. And just as he's starting to really turn a little, just animalistic, he gets him locked in a room. While this is all going on, you know, the other guy's, Victor's out stealing the bone armor. Well, he gets it knocked off him because he gets on a horse and he gets it knocked off him because the horse gets downed. And he has Evan come out and get the, get the bone uh, armor. Well, during this time, he gets caught for a second by the occultist. And the occultist tells him, he goes, how do you think you got free? He goes, I let you get free because I needed you to be. So that was kind of freaky. Uh, That was kind of planned. But again, they get away with that and they start to fight him uh, a little bit. But then it becomes, they get free and then decide that the only way to kill him is going to be to create a... um, like a powder out of the bones. Now they have the bones and they create like a powder out of it and put it in Evan's wombs, but offer Evan up in the metal cage as a sacrifice. So the, she goes, the daughter goes through and puts all the uh, markings on the back so he can blood let him and drink the blood off his wombs and marks him with a symbol on his chest so that he won't, so he won't be killed. Otherwise he'll just be slaughtered when they kill, when the other guy is killed outside he literally, the occultist had picked him up and was drinking the blood pouring out of him. And they had to shoot him in the head to finish him off before he got brought back. So while that all happens, he gets out there and that actually kind of works, except for the occultist doesn't die right away. He starts to get really angry and he's going to kill Evan regardless. He might not be able to bloodlet him like to death, but he can, he's going to kill him. And then uh, Victor comes up and winds up getting stuck under some barbed wire and stuff. He gets through it and he brings the barbed wire and starts cutting off the occultist's head with the barbed wire. They eventually wiggle it free and it cuts the occultist's head off. When this happens, all the horses that are reanimated drop, just completely dead, as well as the guy who is inside that had just broken through free of that room where he was locked in. He died as well. And then you get inside and you find out the old lady had turned into a basically a rotting corpse because her age caught up with her instantly and that the daughter was quite old and their whole and evan is holding her and asking her about uh any ask her what can i do she goes just hold me till the end and that's it it holds him to the end so then um as he's reading evan reads more into this and finds out that there were eight total stones that some occultists were sent to so he literally scars his chest with the same symbol that she cut into him, scars his chest as a permanent symbol like that, and loads up the truck with a bunch of guns and different things. So, you know, he's going after the other 
Nazis in case there are more of them that survive through this. And while Victor returns home to his family at this time, so he's back with his two boys. So there's a happy ending in this, and then there's kind of a scary ending on this. It wasn't exactly, there's plenty of blood and gore, but there's a lot of moments where you're like trying to figure out what's going on because it's not one of the ones the explanations come easily. You wind up, like I mixed it up a little bit, you get mixed up while it's happening because there's flashbacks, there's weirdness to it. Some things don't quite add up, make sense, but it's in the end, generally this the story works. There's plenty of blood. There's some good gore. It's not, I wouldn't say they went overboard the gore, but there's some good gore here and there. Um, when the guy gets killed and he's drained of the blood, there's a lot of blood there. Plus, and the blood's good, dark and thick. It's not like watery or anything like that. So even though it's dark out, I actually kind of enjoyed that part of it. It was a little weird. Um, before I get into the rating, Lando, what did you think of this movie? Well, when it comes to my thoughts, the first half hour or so was really confusing at first on what this movie was going on and everything. And it just took so fucking long to really pick up. And once it did, then I realized it was a monster movie. It had in a good amount of blood, but very little gore in my opinion. I liked some of the makeup effects, but the computer generated effects were unneeded in this film. I mean, they could have used makeup effects on the horses. I've seen it done on like dogs in Resident Evil and stuff like that. Same with when the um, Nazi whose name was Richard, when his head was being cut off by the barbed wire, you could tell that was computer generated. So they could have used makeup or even better computer effects. So there's that. It had some good points of action, which I really liked. I really don't like horror movies that take a while for it to really get going but once this one did i can kind of forgive it for that expected the remaining walner family to die somehow after the two brothers finally killed the nazi which was pretty predictable of an ending i kind of liked and disliked how they made you think the whole fight was far from over since there was more than one family and possibly more than one nazi involved in with what was going on so as my thoughts that's about it so with that being said what do you give this movie as rating i was with you the beginning of it i mean if it continued like that this rating would be a little different but once it picked up it picked up quickly and it was entertaining and yes you're right the cgi could have been done a lot better uh, the makeup effects of the gore they did do was so good that i wish they'd done more of that in this movie so I gave it a 3.5 because it was a little better than the average once it got going. Um, granted, though, the unfortunate thing is if this wasn't watching it for this reason, I probably wouldn't have bothered making it that far before I gave up if I didn't have a reason to finish watching it. Kind of the only only real stickler is the first half of the movie is or first third anyway, is it almost turns you off. But if you can make it past that first third, the ending's not bad. Uh, middle isn't even that bad. So yeah, I said 3.5 skulls. What about you? Actually, I gave it a four, just like the last movie we just talked about. I mean, it wasn't bad. I gave it a four because of the computer-generated effects. I mean, they just were not needed. And the fact that this movie took like over half an hour to make you realize what the hell was really going on. But uh, yeah, that's my overall thoughts on this movie. So with that being said, if you have any horror movie suggestions, as always, you can email us 
at whatinthehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. You also have a Twitter account that's whatinthehorrorpodcast, all one word. And we also have a Discord that you can join us to talk to us on a daily basis or fucking get a heads up before anyone else on what we'll be reviewing next. You can post scary videos. You can also post movie suggestions on there as well. I just made a thing where you can also post uh, scary photos. And so, yeah, it's coming along so far. I mean, we don't have that many people, so join our Discord. (laughs) But anyways, as always, I've been Lando. And I've been Tim. And we're the fuck out of here. You were listening to What in the Whore. See you next time. (laughs) Ha 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 ha.